Well, just fair warning, man. If you haven't seen Scott cry, it's not pretty. So it's, it'll happen today. I, I look like Gollum. I get a big snot bubble going at times, but um, oh my it's all good. There's tissues. Um, you know, we, we couldn't, when we were talk, asked to talk about um, our family, it, it would be impossible to do it without these guys. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You know, these guys have been asked to do so much and had to deal with so much that they never got to choose. And if there's any success that comes from it, you know, they, they were part of that. And we, again, we, we couldn't do this um, without having them be part of it. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me just get out of the way. Um, so when we talk about healthy, you know, you know this, and we, we first looked at it, I thought, man, how in the world do we present as, <clears throat> as what healthy is? Um, so when, we, when I introduce these kids to people, you know, it sounds like a law firm, right? It's the Williamson, <laughs> Baldwin's, Pascoe's, Williamson's. Uh, um, so anyway, you know, we, we, we deal with that, and we have dealt with it. But that's not where we're here today. Um, you know, at, at this point in our lives, we, we see so much fruit. And that's what we're here to share, because I think every family, <clears throat> you don't have to look like this component to understand what guilt, what rejection, what failed expectations look like. I think all families have that to some degree. Um, but we're really here to share our journey and how Jesus showed up in that and what the fruit is today. Um, and that's what these guys are. Uh, obviously, Ty and Isaac have married into this family, and they have become our sons, and that's how we, that's how we view this. Um, we, as I said, we, we have Toby, and uh, <laughs> listen, we, we can't talk about fruit and not have Toby part of this conversation. He is part of this family, and, you know, a little bit to share about how that came to be, but there isn't a family activity that Toby isn't included in. Uh, there's a plate at every Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, and when I see a, <laughs> when I see him worship and chasing Jesus, <laughs> To know that we had something to do with that, especially Tanner. Um, again, it talks, talks healthy. And again, we don't take any credit for this whatsoever. But uh, um, that being said, I don't know. I got through my introduction. How about you? <laughs> All right. Um, I try not to cry because once I start, then I'm just done. So, um, so I'm going to start with the eight qualities of a healthy family. Not necessarily a blended family, but just... A healthy family that's nurture support parental discipline encouragement and growth of all family members spiritual well-being of all members good communication problem-solving skills and meaningful participation of family members in activities outside the home so that goes for us for anyone that is just part of a family whether it's a blended family partner it it doesn't matter that's what qualities a healthy family should have so when you look up here, we're kind of a mismatch of things. So how does a blended family that's mashed together from a divorced single dad and a divorced single mom beat the odds and stick together? I can tell you that it wasn't a smooth journey, and we don't recommend it the way we did it. But it was and still is an example of how God can work in any situation. Well, let's open up in some prayer, and we'll just jump into the Word. Lord, we just thank you for just an opportunity to... 
um, just to speak truth uh, and, and point it to you and point it to your word that, um, Lord, it is only you, only you that, uh, that the family is even in existence. And it's, it's only you, Lord, that, that we can show that there's fruit that comes from it. And we're just grateful to be here. And, you know, it just points to your life. It points to your son that not only uh, can we survive and overcome obstacles, Lord, but we find freedom and, and strength through him. Um, so we just we just praise your name today, Lord. We pray for those that are here that, um, Lord, that, that the Holy Spirit shows up and he, and he does a work in all of our lives today. And thank you for that. Thank you for this body uh, that welcomes this discussion. And we just give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, let's uh, if you have your Bibles, let's 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 open up. Um, I'm just going to read from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 14. And let me put sort of that scripture in context. Um, you know, so we know the Old Testament, right? That um, the nation of Israel was given a promise, a, a land, a home that God has has, has given them, and. Um, when they finally get there, right, we saw all the stuff that they went through, and they finally arrive in their promised home. And God says, listen, there's some rules that I need you to follow while you're here. You know, around your home, there's, there's tribes, there's pagans, there's other, uh, there's other communities around you. I, I don't want you following under their influence, right? Follow me, and I've got this. And uh, we know really throughout the Old Testament that they didn't. And eventually that home was broken. And it became fragmented and enter in Babylon. So Israel enters back into slavery. God speaks to Jeremiah about to that to the family of Israel. Let me read this. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in numbers there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have, call, which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. <clears throat> they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. <clears throat> plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Man, when I read that, I guess if there was a scripture that defined our life's journey, it's it's. It's a nation of Israel that became lost. But God still saw them where they were, right? He, he, he doesn't forget the family that's broken. He sees where they are. But not only does he see them, but he has words of encouragement. He wants you to do well. And um, it, it's so easy 
as, as we go through life and we make the mistakes and, and the brokenness, it's, it's, it's not hard to find. Um, that's not the end story. It wasn't the end story for Israel. Um, it wasn't the end story for us. So, um, you know, I guess, I guess as we share and I share a little bit about how this came to be, um, that really is the foundation of what this became in our family. So, anything to add to that? No, you can okay. right into your So, I journey. think what we'll do is, I, I, I think it's just to give you a little context of how Sharon and I came together. Um, we'll just briefly share our journey. Um, um, in two, you know, it, for me, it was a seven-year process. So, in 2002 was when my first marriage ended. Um, and I came from a very conservative um, upbringing. You know, my mom did it went to church, we went to church, I knew the Lord at a young age. It was, it was a very conservative church. And, and you know, there was, a, you guess probably know what that looked like. So when I had in, in, in entered into this separation and divorce, man, it brought with it just a lot of shame. Um, embarrassment, disappointment. So there I was in a, in a moment of, you know, I've got these three kids and this is just horrible. Um, like, so, like, you know, trying to put pieces back together and, and, and you're realizing, like, everything that you thought and expected was going to be is now just changed and it's so different. So that was a p part of me that really was my ground zero, right? I, I can't <clears throat> imagine too many places. Maybe there was one, maybe one other, but it was a very low part in my life. And, uh, and I, I, I really, when I see Jeremiah, I see that as... You know, I've lost it. I've lost the home, and and uh, you know, I had a brother at the time. You know, at the time, um, my brother is a is a super influence in my life, and um, we weren't very close growing up. But as we started our own families, we 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 connected a lot. And my brother was always chasing Jesus hard, and I remember um, being at home with my living. I had to move back in with my parents and living with them, and my brother just made a special trip home. And he goes, let's, let's get you refocused, rebuilt. And uh, he introduced a song to me that sort of became my anthem between 2002 and 2009. And uh, um, I don't know if you guys know the, the, the group Creed, but there was a song they, they had. It was called Who's Got My Back? And the song really uh, is in the gist of it is about, it's about the brokenness that sin brings and the devastation that sin leaves in your life. And when you're in that moment, who's, who's got your back? And, and ultimately, the song points to Jesus. But um, that was really my, my decision that I, I, I was tired of this. I couldn't stay here. And what do I need to do to take those steps back to, to becoming a healthy person again? And um, that, that was really the beginning of it. And... Uh, um, let's jump into another scripture here real quick. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Um, it says, Are you tired and worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And 
as I started to put this stuff back together, the, the one thing that I had to come face to face with was forgiveness. <clears throat> Not just for where I was and getting my life realigned, but that was for my ex. Um, that was for the healthiness of, of Alice and David and Addie. So I had to come to grips with that. I, I could not longer bring forward a healthy life carrying so much baggage. It, it became overwhelming. And, and, and that wasn't an easy process. Like I said, I, I didn't go a year and was ready to get remarried. It would have been impossible for me to enter into a healthy relationship right after that. I, I was just too broken. So that process of taking place of, of forgiving myself through, through Christ, because it was impossible for me to do. Um, I couldn't look my kids in the eye and say, you know, I did a great job. You know, I couldn't live with myself with that. So I had to come and fall at the feet of Jesus and say, I, I, I need this to be rebuilt. But then to do that, I can't keep bitterness and hatred in my heart. It's impossible to do both at the same time. So the Lord had to reconcile my heart with, with, with my wife, Jen, and my ex-wife, Jen, and and, and that was a long process, man. And I see guys today that never do that. They never get over it. And it impacts them still. And, and it's a requirement for you to be, continue to be a healthy person. So I, I had to go through that process. And as that went on, really, for, for, for several years, um, I started to get to the point where, like, all right, like I, I'm, I'm seeing growth. I'm, I'm starting to feel better emotionally. You know, the Lord was leading me down a path of, you know, I'm getting you ready for your next chapter and the next marriage. And, uh, you know, my career personally was I worked in mental health, in, in a state system of mental health, which is all based on evidence and what works and what doesn't work. And I lived in that world. And so Scott had it in his mind, seeing this all the time, like, all right, well, I know most, like, 50% of marriages end in divorce. All right, I, I got that. I fell into that category. But second marriages with children is like 80%. I thought, well, I can't go that. <laughs> no, I'm not going that road. So I have to find a wife that doesn't have any children. So there we go. So I got that block checked. So here we go. So secondly is, is that, man, I'm struggling financially. I, I need an independent wife that's got a good job. <laughs> So there's box check too. So that was where I had in my mind where Scott was going down this path, right? And uh, boy, more to come with that, right? Um, let's jump into Acts chapter 9 real quick. And I think this kind of puts um, my new chapter in perspective. Um, Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. Um, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went into the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. See, Jesus saw Saul where he was at, even before Saul knew what his plan was. Um, man, that was me. <clears throat> As a single guy, putting my life back together <clears throat> with my kids, trying to parent two daughters that, man, I didn't have a clue <laughs> what to do. 
Um, and I can look at that and see, man, like, like, but, but Jesus saw me though, right? He knew my story even before I knew what it was. He knew the outcome was going to be. He knew that he had Sharon identified for me in this giant family waiting for me. I didn't know what it was. But I can look back and see all those puzzles and pieces that were just getting fit and put to place. And what you see today is a result of that. Um, so that being said, um, as I was putting, um, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know Allison next to me too, just to, I mean, she's, gosh, um, just a part of my heart. Um, that seven-year journey, wow. Allie, um, <laughs> I don't know. Was there, was there anything that you can, that pointed where maybe you could see Jesus is, was there now that we can look back on it? Oh, I mean, I don't know, I think in general, uh, how little I was when everything had transpired. I think I was in preschool. Um, I mean, it was just, like in general, when, when you're that young, seeing something that you thought was going to be forever because when you're little you, you just think your parents are just perfect and everything is just the way that it's supposed to be and, um, going through all that I, it was just so confusing um, and just, just just not even just distressing I think it's just deeper than that um, not wondering like just wondering well is it some, like obviously as kids like you start to think that it's like oh what it like, how does this even happen? Um, and just even growing up over the years when it was like eight, eight years you were single, um, and just seeing the dynamic between, um, like, my mom's house and your house. Um, and I, I've, since, since all, all that stuff had happened, I've, I've been slowly starting to rebuild a healthy relationship with my biological mom, but I mean, through everything, through everything, not a single time. I can't, I can't recall a single time that you had ever said anything bad about my mom, that you had ever exuded any negative feelings or, or anger or hatred, nothing. Not a single time have I ever seen you share those kinds of feelings with us about our mom. Even though, like, I mean, in situations like that, you have every right to, but... Um, I'm sure you had moments in self-control, all the self-control to be able to have those times within yourself or with other people that you felt comfortable, but you never showed that with us as your kids. And for me, I think that's completely like the, the, just the different fruits of the spirit of self-control, patience, kindness, gentleness. Um, I, like those are just words that always come to mind when I think of you and that safety and security and stability with you. Hmm. Um, through all the craziness that we had to deal with. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, to this day, I mean, I can talk to you about stuff and you just are so graceful with, and, and just you, you're able to connect on that emotional level without getting too worked up. Well, well I can tell you it was, I must have did a good job of doing it after they left. <laughs> <laughs> and getting a cargo of the money, that's probably when I, it's definitely when I have with my meltdown, but. Um, Listen, it, it is definitely nothing that that that, um, that Scott did that was. Um, I mean, again, I can look and I see this, and it, it just it is all it is all Jesus of being transformed. You know, without my brother coming home and and having a moment where he said we we're going to pray, 
and we're going to let God come in and, and take his place. He's putting his fingerprint on you right now. And without that, without us coming together in, in the name of Jesus, uh, I mean, uh, he knows where this would have been at. Um, um, so that's where we go next, is in Ezekiel. Um, I'm almost done with my story here, guys. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that was, that was the moment where I knew I was really ready to see, where Lord, where, where are we going with this? And, uh, and I had just put out a... Um, and it, again, as a single dad in his 30s with three children, it's not like, you know, the, 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 there's a line outside your door knocking with available perspectives, right? So I thought, man, alive. Uh, so I, I went on Christian Mingle, and, uh, and I didn't have any money. Like, I really didn't. So I had a profile, a free profile. But in my description, I put my code in there. I said, you can find me at... Well, it's like, it's Yahoo, Yahoo, like, you can find me at New Wilmington where you yodel, right? So I thought, well, if it's going to be God-ordained, you can find out, like, my email address was newwilmington at yahoo.com, right? So anyway, I had that in there, and, uh, and that was really the, uh, the beginning of Sharon and I's journey together. Uh, I think we can get into more of what that looked like after we met, but um, so began the journey. Right. So my journey, um, raised in a Christian household, both my parents didn't swear, didn't drink. My mom is the only one, though, that took us to church all the time. Um, my dad worked afternoons, um, so he farmed during the day while we were at school, worked afternoons, and so we didn't really see my dad so much. No doubt whatsoever that my dad loved me, loved my brothers, but he was just... He just worked. He worked all the time. So it really fell, the responsibility fell on my mom to take us to church, and she took us on Sunday morning, and she thought that was good enough. And But it was also a very conservative church, so we knew right from wrong. We knew what was expected of us. Um, so lo and behold, like I said again, don't do what we did. We don't recommend it. Um, so to start with, not only was I married and divorced, I had four small children through that marriage. And then I married again and divorced and brought two more little ones into it. So I end up with being divorced, two ex-husbands, and six little kids. I have five boys and one girl. So at 35, I'm a single mom. I was working midnights. Um, I had a very good job. I had a beautiful home. I had a car. Um, I was pretty stable and secure. And I thought, I can raise these kids by myself. I don't need anyone else to help me. I can do it all alone. Um, but through that journey, this few of the other things that I gained was the words shame and guilt. And I used to wear them very, very well across my shoulders. It didn't matter where I went. If I introduced myself, I'd be embarrassed to say, oh, well, their last name is Williamson. My last name is Withers. Their last name is Pasco. You know, because that was like, oh, they're going to say, there's that lady. She's been married two times. You know, she has kids by two different guys. That was me. I, I carried it. That's, that's how I identified myself. So it was pretty good. Um, I know I had parents that loved me and loved all of us through both divorces, but I really, really felt in my heart that I was a disappointment to them. So the trick of the enemy is to get you to identify with the thing that you think is wrong with you. 
to make you identify with your issues and to make you identify with the labels that you've given yourself. And it really wasn't until the Holy Spirit got a hold of me that my thinking started to change. And that was the ticket. Not because I didn't love Jesus, because I did. It was because when I had that revelation, when the Holy Spirit came in and said, that's not who you are. You are not what you say you are. You are not what others say you are. You are what I say you are. So my mindset went from being what I thought people thought of me to what I knew God said about me. God says that I have special gifts and talents, and he has specific plans and purposes for me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future, Jeremiah 29, 11. So a funny thing is, is we had an outline, but we really didn't write it together. So that kind of tells you how God weaves things together, because certain verses just work. God says that I am special to him, and he will shelter me. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings, Psalm 17, 8. God says I shouldn't be fearful. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, Isaiah 41.10. So we're going to talk a little bit about how Scott and I met. So as he said, it was Christian Mingle. So we should really be like, make a commercial and be their spokesperson because yeah. <laughs> we're like, we are like um, a success story, right? And so just to give you a little bit of context on these kids. Oh, wait a minute. You didn't tell wait, them. The... I'll get there. I, haven't, I'm okay. not there. <laughs> I will get there. Hold All on. Right. So a little context. This is how old these kids were when Scott and I met. Okay. So Scott has three kids from his first marriage. So Addie was 16, Allison was 12, and David was 10. So my kiddos, I had six. Justin was 12, Tanner was 10, Logan was 9, Carter was 8, Troy was 4, and Trent was only 3. So some of these kids never knew the difference of not going between homes. You know, they went back and forth. They went back and forth. That's, that's just what they did. Um, so one thing that Scott and I had in common was that we loved kids. And the kids were instant from the beginning. You know, they were best friends. Um, and I think he would have gotten married right away. Me, mm -mm, nope, wasn't happening. I was not getting married. No. Um, and a little example of how, what it looked like to other people was we were at my parents one night. And my mom's like, Scott, you know what? I think I would tell Sharon, we either get married or I'm done. I'm like, hey! <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what are you doing? Don't tell him that. Because I liked the way it was. So it really wasn't until the kids came to me and they're like, Mom, what are you doing? Like, we love Scott. We love the kids. We want to be a family. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I, I don't want to get married again. And so Logan was really the one. Um, she really pushed. And so I finally... What did you say? <laughs> did he say? You said favorite child or something like that? <laughs> so it really wasn't until the kids really started getting on me. So it was, um, what year was that, Scott? 2011. Christmas Eve, all the kids were in bed. I sat in my room and I wrote Scott a letter. And I still had not decided one way or the other whether, if I was going to give it to him or not. So Christmas morning, kids had opened all their gifts. Now, mind you, he's just here on the weekends. And so we did Christmas together in the morning. And Christmas gifts are all done. Everything's done. And I'm getting the eyeballs like, Mom, give it to him. Like, give it to him. So I did. I gave it to him, and I said, um, 
I said, okay, there's one last gift. You have to sit down. You have to read it out loud. So he read it out loud, and it was how much we loved him, how much, what a wonderful person he was, how much we loved Addie, David, and Allison, and just that we couldn't ask for anything more. And the very last line said, will you marry us? <laughs> and he said yes. <laughs> he said yes. So four months later, in April of 2012, we were married. Back to you. Well, on, on the weekends I did, I got very comfortable on a big couch downstairs in the living room. So it wasn't, uh, <laughs> that couch is definitely worn out. It needs to be thrown away. It does. So, um, yes. Yeah, so yes. really go back to, so you're, you're right, at this point we are, we're getting married. And uh, um, for me, the healing was, I was so ready, right? I mean, it's like seven years of that. And, and like I said, there's no way I could have done it sooner. For Sharon, obviously, it was it was a different, but but we knew this was this was right, and and these kids, this is why they're here. Like they had so much to do with that. At any point, one of them could have could have reared their head, and and actually, you know, we I, I dealt with a little bit of that, and we managed to get through it. But um, I don't know the the first time that I brought the kids over, that we introduced them together, we were very careful with it. You know, we still have pictures. So there's some of my favorite pictures. Allison's on her back, and all the kids are climbing on her. The first time we brought them together, and they're, it was just, it was, for me, it was perfect from the beginning. And as Sharon's right, like this is what I've been waiting for. And it's again, it's not Scott's statistics that pointed to it, but I knew right away, Lord, that, that He confirmed it immediately that this is this is your home, right? I've taken you back from Babylon, and I'm bringing you back home. And I knew it right away. Um, but then so my brother, who's always been my mentor, and that really, so my relationship with my brother and, and having men in our life is, was kind of the fuel behind men of valor. Because guys have to have that, right? We need each other to just sharpen and support. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I was, I was going to rag on Ernie when he comes. Like every time we have Ernie share men of valor, because it comes so deep from his heart, he's, he's so emotional about everything that he shares. And uh, I'll say, I'm going to be Ernie today on everything. Um, but my relationship with my brother it was, was sort of was instilled in me that, that, that you need someone there. So my brother, who worked at Focus on the Family at the time we were getting engaged, he gave me a book um, on the smart stepfather. And, uh, and, and, I, and he goes, you just said, this is very good. And this guy specializes in that. And, and uh, there's some good stuff in this. So I was reading it. And, and uh, this book talked about step-parenting as a crockpot that you put all the ingredients in a crock pot, but it takes forever, right, before you really get to taste what's really good in it. And for step parenting, it's years before you really get to sample that. And I'll be on, it's gonna be tough. This past year, I got to see how good that tastes when I got to walk down the aisle with my stepdaughter, with her father at her wedding. And to be invited into that, I mean, that took years of allowing that to cook and to develop um, and I, I got to see what, what that looks like. When you do it, when you follow God's path to that, that's the fruit that came from it. Um, so the crockpot mentality to step parenting is critical. You know, I, I, I know, and you may do too, of, of a new father that steps into a step parenting role. Man, it is a, it is a hard thing to do because you, I mean, you're, you're, you have this role of what a father needs to be, 
and and you want to take all that on and um and, and the rules are different right the, the challenge of being a blended family is it's hard to do it just without any other additional layers right i mean it's a struggle parenting now but add into that another parent um, add into that you know a kid that is not going to be loyal to you add into that kids that you know aren't going to handle discipline well so you know as we're building this together um the roles that sharon and i took is, is at the very beginning we had to set very clear expectations as to what our roles were going to be um what, what were we going to sort of how we're going to handle the complexities of both our families and and we really did we adopted this slow cooking crock pot mentality that that you know, I'm, I'm not going to step in and become something that I'm not. Um, um, so defining our roles was just crucial. Um, you know, one of them, too, is, is we joke about it a lot, and Carter's always the one that does it. Um, so part of our roles was, like, we are never going to discipline our other kids, right? So at the very beginning, we said, like, we're, we're not disciplining them. You know, we're going to default that to the other parent. Um, because of that loyalty part, um, and, you know, even for something simple, I'd be like, hey, Carter, can you put the milk away? Carter would always go, shut up, you're not my dad. <laughs> um, he would use that as a moment for humor, but because they knew we, we operated that. And, and he still does it, it now. And it's sort of helpful with it. <laughs> but, um, but, but defining roles was so hard because for, for us it was, you know, I, like I left my house, right? I sold my home, which I really I loved it. And I was moving in with Sharon. And it was Sharon's routine. These were her kids that lived there all the time. So here comes Scott in with, I mean, I've been, I'm ready for this family, and I love your kids. Let's do this. But yet, you know, you've got to stand on the sidelines for a while and allow this to cook. You need to love these kids unconditionally without a whole bunch of stuff coming in because they are dealing with you being in their home. They have their own fathers that, that – um, that they have to work as as sons and daughters. So um, I, I had to really step back and, and allow this to, to mature and and just love them. Whatever it, whatever it was that they needed, I stepped in to try to love them. Um, and isn't that really what Jesus does for us, right? When I look at the crock pot of time and cooking and seeing the fruit, um, thank God Jesus didn't look at me when I was 20 and say, man, I'm done. You, you, I'm, I'm done letting this cook, right? I'm, we're, we're, I'm not waiting any longer. Um, thank God his grace is really instilled in us. And, and, and taking that mentality as parenting is just vital. Um, so that's what we did. And sharing the same thing is just like, that, that's your grounds. That's your territory. And I think as we did that, we started to see fruit starting to come in. Um, you know, taking the kids on hunting trips and just playing at the house. And that really, um, for, for Rick and Bill, seeing that, you know, I was staying out of their, 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 their domain, our relationship started to grow. And um, to this day, it's really, again, we see the fruit of being patient. You know, um, Rick helped me put electric in the garage, and he did it, and he loves doing it. And we, and we can do that together. Um, Troy and Trinstead Bill, we, we go down hunting together, and he's in, always invited us um, to be part of whatever it is they do. And, and I can see that as allowing the relationship to be built, 
not entering into it what I think it should be, allowing the Holy Spirit to just sort of lead that and giving it time and allowing the kids to just come up at their speed. And some kids were faster than others. You know, I, I look at our family with Alice and David and Addie, and our circumstances were different, right? And most of them are. And um, even to this day, we still see some scars of that, right, of the divorce. It's still there. Um, and we still manage it the best that we can. But, again, we hold out that, that hope of how Jesus saw Saul, right? And, uh, gosh, we've, we've been through some tough stuff, man, this past year has <laughs> rocked us. But that's not the end of the story, right? It's still being written. It's still being developed. And we're still patient. And we, we are allowing it to continue to grow. And it, it, doesn't, it hasn't really stopped. Um, so, but, but just a couple of tips, though, for us, not just as step-parents, but as fathers. One thing that we have seen that has helped this family grow as, as, a, as a dad um, was, was, was get off the sidelines. You can't be a spectator in their spiritual growth. Um, you've got to be active, and in, 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 uh, not just at home, of um, speaking encouragement, letting the kids see what grace looks like in your life, forgiving, um, but let your kids see you active uh, in the ministry. Um, I think it speaks volumes. The, the kids saw Sharon and I, um, you know, just starting out in transformation, doing a Men of Valor group, doing a women's conference, different things that, you know, it's not just about the family. You know, God has called us for something even greater than them. Um, and to see that being active in our lives is, uh, I think, helped this family become very close together. Uh, and the other part, too, is, is from a parenting side is to have clear expectations for where you want your kids to be. Um, I think in our culture today of parenting, you know, it's a battle, right? It's a battle for everyone that you, your kids get to dictate their path and we're to allow them to make a decision. And as parents, we sort of tag along with that. And I get that to some degree, but, but setting clear expectations for our kids um, is critical and that's something that I have learned so I can tell you as a parent growing up um, or as a parent with these kids growing up I, f I found more joy in, in in seeing them get a great job with with good income and and I'm like wow congratulations but yet I'll tell you I would trade that tomorrow for a healthy strong relationship with Jesus more than any income and that's something I can look back on and be like you know the spiritual expectations should be precedence as a parent and as a father, um, are you instilling those in your kids right now? Um, you know, not just showing up on a Sunday and hearing a message. I mean, that's part of it, but but that's religion, and I experienced that, and I can tell you, there's no fruit with that. Um, it's being active in your kids' develop, spiritual development, growth, and and for this for these kids to see that um, with Sharon and I, I think was 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 critical to do. Um, Really, and lastly, um, the concept of, of grace. Uh, for Sharon and I, this was a, you know, it's just as a season in our life as we were preparing to speak today, that when we first met, it was, everything was about children, right? Like, it was so much work to make sure we did it right, and, and you know, how's this going, and did I do okay with that situation, and, and uh, 
oh my gosh, I think I ticked someone else off. So it was all about managing our kids. We, we did not focus on each other for, I mean, it's been, it's been over 10 years. And when we're looking at healthy families, we have really neglected um, healthy Sharon and Scott. And we're putting this together, and it really brought that to light. And, and we, were, uh, we were sharing with Dave and Holly, putting it together, and I said, man, we've grown so much through this, I would love for it not to end on a Saturday morning. And, and, and Dave shared, hey, listen, so funny you say that. There's a next step coming, and I know I wouldn't take anything from them, but um, we have grown tremendously through this process. I think this was very healthy for us to do today um, as much as it is for you. So um, just, we're glad we're here. So your turn. Okay. <laughs> So we have um, just a few more things before we wrap it up. Um, I like statistics, and so these are just some, some things that if you are a blended family or if you are just a single parent, um, and we know that blended families come in all different shapes and sizes for different reasons, um, but one thing to keep in mind is that the enemy is after your family. When the enemy can destroy that family relationship, then the dysfunction starts to creep in. So keep that in mind, that the enemy is coming after you, your marriage, your children, anything that he can get a hold of. Um, so I have some t statistics. These are from Lifeway Research. Um, this came out in 2019. So the failure rate of second marriages is 70%. So this doesn't have anything to do with whether you bring kids into it or not. Just a second marriage has a 70% fail rate. Third marriage is 90%. Um, approximately one-third of all weddings in America today are stepfamilies. Of those who get divorced, 75% will remarry and 65% will bring children from a previous union. 42% of adults have a blended family relationship, meaning a step-parent, a step-sibling, a half-sibling, just something like that, 42% of adults. Over 50% of married couples in the church today are blended. And as Scott said, you know, that, that slow cooker crock pot, um, one statistic says that it takes five years or more to begin to feel cohesive. So those are some pretty cruddy statistics. But there is actual hope because the best advice we can give to any of you is to love each other. Love your ex-spouses. Pray for each other. Pray for your kids. Pray for those ex-spouses. Pray anything, you know. I always used to say that he was in the absolute perfect field of mental health to function with inside of my house because how many men, <laughs> seriously though, like how many men can come in and I have two ex-husbands but they're welcome in my home. You know, the kids are in and out and they're going to, you know, their dad's house but if they come over and they come to pick the kids up, of course I'll give you a cup of coffee. You need to talk about something? Absolutely. Kids are like, hey, I got, you know, a new bedspread or something. You want to come up? Sure, you can go up to their room because that's what was best for them. It wasn't really my heart or my feelings or his heart or his feelings. It was what was going to make these kids feel like they didn't have to compete, you know, between anybody. Um, so I started to dig a little bit. And in Genesis 29, there's this story of Jacob right? And Jacob had left um, Isaac, and he had gone to his uncle Laban's territory. And so when he gets there, he meets Rachel, and this is his uncle's daughter. And so as the story goes, he works for Laban for seven years so that he can marry mm -hmm. Rachel. Well, lo and behold, marriage comes, and it finds out in the morning he did not marry Rachel. He's with Leah, the older sister. And he's like, oh, through all that trickery. So actually, a week later, he does end up 
being able to have Rachel for his wife, but he has to work for another seven years. Um, and he ends up, this is Jacob, okay? Not the wife, it's Jacob. No, I'm just teasing. Um, Jacob ends up having children from Leah, Billa, which is Rachel's maid, Zilpah, which is Leah's maid, and finally Rachel herself. So I, my situation I thought sounded kind of bad. That doesn't sound so bad if you think about <laughs> Jacob's situation, right? So he has 13 children from four wives. So I'm not feeling so bad about myself now, right? So 12 sons and one daughter. So that's some major drama happening in that family because they were all together. So I'm going to say that they are a blended family, right? Because they have different moms and children from different wives. So, and it took years of disconnection in that family and a famine before eventually God brought them back together. Um, so out of Jacob's messiness, God brought about the 12 tribes of Israel. It wasn't conventional, and, but God had a plan. So through all of our mistakes, there are consequences, and we have found that. Even you can look at us today and be like, oh, it's so great to see them all together. That's right, but there were consequences, and there still is today that we deal with from past choices. It doesn't mean God can't use them. Um, and the cool thing is, is that as God uses those consequences, he gets the honor and the glory for it because it has really had nothing to do with us, nothing. Um, so remember that God will show up if he's invited to show up. It doesn't matter whether you're blended or just not blended. God shows up. Um, so the best advice we can give to any of you is to love. Open your hearts and love. And, you know, that we think about Toby. And, and Toby has slept on her. How many times did you sleep on our couch? I don't, I can't. No, <laughs> no I, so many. But it wasn't Toby. Anastasia needed somewhere to come. And they weren't married yet. Uh, absolutely, you can come. Um, there was a relationship that Justin had that he, the girl needed a place. Of course, you can come. You know, it doesn't matter. And, and we don't want to sit here and be like, oh, we've done it right. What, you know, it has nothing to do with that. It's because... God loved us, that we love other people. So it really has nothing to do with us trying to say, we did it right because we obviously didn't. It's us saying that we love Jesus, and Jesus loves us so much that we're going to love other people. Um, so really, we just always did what we thought was best for the kids. And as he said, we did our relationship did struggle for that because we had kids from the get-go. You know, the schedules were crazy. We were running 100 different places all at the same time. Um, but blended doesn't mean broken. So I have, um, before we get to some questions for these kids, I have a few little... Let me follow up real quick. Nope. So what was funny, um, you know, we, we see uh, the fruit of this today in transformation, as Sharon just said, just loving these kids. And, and that was something that we saw changing in our hearts. So as we were working hard to, to love the, you know, our, um, this family, um, that, that grew, and we matured in that, and, and we see it in transformation today. So when when those kids are running out of the sanctuary to the back, man, my heart is just lifted, and and like honestly, like we see them as as our as our kids coming back, and and when um, when Leo goes to pray and he does it excitingly to raise his hand, and and I'm like, man, I, that's it, my, my heart my heart lifts and. Um, to see some of these kids that come back and they share similar stories. Um, you know, we try to see them through what, how Jesus saw us. And, and that was grace. And it's so easy. And I fall into this trap of, of putting a judgment on somebody when they have a terrible story, right? Like, oh, man, you really deserve to have that. 
Um, again, thank God Jesus didn't see me in that in that realm. So uh, yeah, the the loving part, um, sort of, sort of we see that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a few little things here, and then we have some questions that they, we want these kids to answer. Um, most important is putting Jesus at the center of your family. Um, pray for your spouse and the kids and your ex and your spouse's ex. And pray for them. Even if you haven't forgiven them yet, you can't forgive them without praying for them. It's just what we're called to do. Um, strive to be stable and healthy in your marital relationship. Get counseling if you need to. There's nothing wrong with that. Because if you're not healthy, your kids aren't healthy. Um, and start early. Don't wait until it's you're down to wanting to step out the door. Before you're a statistic, start early. Um, communicate openly. Be prepared to compromise. Um, create and protect the culture of respect. Uh, this takes work. Part of what we, we didn't have a lot of it, but it was like you can't get one answer from him and then come ask me because you didn't like that answer. You know, it's one of those things where you just have to stick together. Whether I agreed with his answer or not or he agreed with mine, that's just the way it had to be. Um, and so we have a, a, a cute little story about this one. Know how the kids want to be introduced. So uh- <laughs> I went to a basketball game. There's a lady at work. Her daughter or her son was playing in this basketball game, and I invited the kids to go. And Ty and um, Ty and Allie and uh, Carter comes with me. And we watch the game. And as we're leaving, the lady comes up and says, "Oh, hey, Scott, thanks for coming." And I introduce. I said, "Well, this is my daughter, Ty, and this is my stepson." No. Um, or this is my son-in-law, Ty, and and, and this is Carter. And again, I, I'm just trying to be mindful of like how do the we still deal with that today. And, and we're done in cars like, yeah, thanks for calling me Carter, not your son. And I'm like, you know what? You're, you're right, because I, he is my son, and I view him as my son. But that's still something today that, you know, it's still in the back of our minds of just trying to be navigating through some of those technicalities. So. Being mindful. Um, one of my, it just blesses my heart so, so much is when I'm with Allison, and she will introduce me. She says, this is my mom, Sharon. Like, because that's, how she sees me. I've never ever wanted to step on her toes and step in and be like, I'm your mom, or wanted to be in that mom role unless she wanted me to be there. And I always tried to respect that, and she always wanted me to be there. And it just blessed me continuously. But we did. I, like, never knew how to introduce them because, of course, they're my kids. But that's one thing when you're blended to think of because they may not want you to say, this is my son or daughter, but maybe they do too. So find those things out. Um, encourage healthy relationships with the other parent, both biological and step. You know, they might misunderstand something that Scott and I are talking about and have hard feelings towards him, but that's not okay. You know, make sure you encourage those healthy relationships. Um, be a seed planter. Successful blended families grow over time. Focus on planting seeds in the present will lead to fulfilled, healthy relationships within the family. You know, um, divorce is a generational curse. You can see it if you follow a bloodline, um, and we don't want that for our kids. Um, If it happens, you know, obviously they're adults, but that's not the way we want them to go just because that's the way we came about. We do not want divorce. So you need to break those generational curses. Um, Find ways to bond with your spouse's children, whether it's hunting, fishing, diamond painting, whatever it is, (laughs) find ways to bond. Um, Strive for flexibility, spend quality time together. So this is one thing that any of these kids can answer. What is one of the um, 
memories you have of one of our outings. Does anyone have anything? Grandpa going down the water slide. Grandpa. <laughs> 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 so we always would try, take a trip to Waldemere, and Scott's parents will always normally go with us. So, um, Isaac falling off a rock. Yeah. But when you take this many kids places, you don't usually, you can't usually go to all-inclusive resorts. So we would go camping. So one of the best, how about Allison, you and Trent on our first trip to Clear Creek. Oh no. I'm so sorry. Um, Allison, Trent just took his training wheels off. And Allison's kid, come with me. So I was not there. I still had to work. So Scott had taken the kids up and I was going to come up later, and when I got there, Trent has no skin on his head, and so... Mind you, that hill's called Death Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Dead Man's Curve. Dead Man's Curve. Um, so... Yes. Trent drowning. Oh, no, that wasn't a good one. That was a bad one. Stop. This always come down to you, Trent. Trent. <laughs> but quality time. You have to make, you have to make memories. You have to make memories. Um, you know, part of one of the memories we made is we got married, and then the very next day we took the kids on a family honeymoon. You know, it wasn't, it really was never about us. As much as we neglected that, it maybe it should have been a little more about us, but we always, always wanted to make the kids feel involved. When we got married, every kid had a part in our wedding, whether it was lighting candles, speaking, doing something. They all had a part. Um, and just avoid divisive words like his kids and my kids. Well, your kids do this or my kids do, don't do that. Those are not the best things. Um, so we have some um, questions here for the kids to answer. You have anything else? Well, we wanted to include them in it. We thought it'd be easier to, to take a time just to ask them a few questions to get some of their perspective on it. And um, yeah. okay, who wants to go first? Tanner and Anastasia. How about you go first? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about our family helped you as a couple going into marriage? Well, coming from such a big family, uh, you learn patience really quickly. Um, you learn how to deal with other people and their emotions. Like Trent got angry at everything. Uh, Carter needed quality time when we were younger. And you learn how to navigate relationships like that, even if they're not your siblings. You know, with David and Allison and Addie. David and I became best friends. But going into my relationship with Anastasia, I can take that patience and that peace and speak it into her life and show her what a healthy, what a healthy relationship should look like. Hmm. <laughs> but really, sitting down and learning what she needed from me as a husband and as a best friend. Yeah. <laughs> the same question? Or? Yeah. Um, so, like, a little, like, short thing is that, you know, I come from kind of, like, divorced families. So, like, that's been very prevalent in, like, my history as well. And um, I think what has been important about being connected with this family, I've been around since 2016 when I asked Tanner to go to prom with me. And, uh, but I think the biggest thing is just that, like, this family has always 
like supported me and always loved me through everything, through every season, through any um, circumstance that I have been through, even before Tanner and I were married. Um, and they've done it so well. And I was telling them on Sunday, like, as an encouragement, like, the way that I just, like, I heard your guys' story, but on this side of, like, all of that, um, just loving people and welcoming them in, like, so well, and you do that well, everybody, like, the whole family, but that's also because of what you, what you've done, um, like, the things that you have asked the Lord on, and um, just, like, your relationship with Him, and how you, how that has influenced each kid, um, but I think that it's just the most important thing is that I've always felt supported and loved, and with going into this relationship, um, this family has taught me, like, has helped me through my own healing from my family, and um, has helped me to go and step into this marriage in a healthy way, and has given me resources that, um, like, only the Lord can bring. I don't know how to explain it other than that, like, because I know that it's the Holy Spirit through this family, um, being able to step into a healthy marriage, being able to know what a family is supposed to look like and how to support and love each other well. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we have a question for Toby, too, because Toby's part of us. Um, Toby, what is it about our family that makes you feel like you're part of it? Well... I know from all the, uh, the nights I've spent on the couch and every dinner from like after after church or the Thanksgiving or or Easter like I felt like like loved. I know from the very beginning like I come from a broken family as well and the way that God used a broken kid from a broken family to show love to a broken kid from a broken family is nothing sort of miraculous and I mean I just know that like I felt loved and and like cherished every time I would come over and and every church thing I'd come to and from eighth grade to to freshman year before I started coming to abundant life like every every time I'd, I'd come over hang out I know that like that people talked to me and I, I felt like like I like people wanted to actually like get to know me and then I started coming to abundant life and and the family that I got through abundant life like came from like this family because um, Logan's not here, so Isaac is our son-in-law. Um, Logan is working. She texted me this morning, Mom, I'm so sorry I couldn't get someone to cover my shift. Um, she said, have a good day. Um, so Isaac, now we've known Isaac from the time he was little. So his mom and dad were friends of ours when, when I first started here, and so actually they used to play together when they were little. Um, so Isaac, what did you first notice about our family when you first started dating Logan? Um, I would say, like, I don't really know how that question like what I first noticed because like I don't know I was just around you guys so much but like there's just a place for everyone like before I was dating Logan and my place was like her boyfriend her fiance and 
now husband and stuff, like I was best friends with Carter and Tanner. You know, my my friendship was that with them. That was my place through the family was being like befriended by the boys. And like coming over and seeing Troy and Trent and Troy cutting down a tree or something. You know like, <laughs> <laughs> there's just a just a place just a place for everyone and um you know, even though now it's a husband to Logan, but like before that it was just a best friend and um, yeah, so like there's just a place. There's a niche and they're all so different and it just somehow all works together. Gotcha. All right, Justin, um, what do you appreciate most about being part of a blended family? You're never bored. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. There's always someone to pick on, make fun of, or go do something with. So. Somebody's always got a basketball game to go to, soccer practice, or, mm -hmm. you know, there's always something to do. Very Never good. Bored. So, Trent, I was going to ask you the same question. What's the best part about being in a blended family? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Everyone has, like, their own talent. So, like, it's like if you ever need anything, you could just go to pretty much anyone. It's like no matter what you need, everyone will help you. And it's just it's so nice having so many people in your family because you never get bored like Justin said. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, we're going to go to Carter. Oh, gosh. All right, so Carter, um, when his dad and I got divorced, was only eight months old. Carter never knew any different than to go between homes, and Carter was very, very bonded to his dad. Um, so our question to Carter is, how did you manage your relationship with Scott since you and your dad were so close? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, suck it up. We can uh, go on. Seeing, um, <laughs> in, in, like Mom said, I was only eight months old, so I never saw my parents together. Um, and the only relationships I've seen, my mom and they all failed. So, you know, Scott coming in and. You know, that's my mom. I want to protect her. So I was very skeptical. But with Scott, I mean, I met him at a Walmart. <laughs> I was I was turning I was turning eight or yeah yeah because it was two thousand nine. I was turning eight, and mom told told us we were gonna meet him, and it was around my birthday, and mom said I could pick out my presents, so. I was very into Bakugan then, and I wanted this big giant one. So me and Tanner were in the toy aisle, and here comes Scott. He wasn't even with my mom either. Like, <laughs> and he comes up and starts talking to us. But I got this familiar feeling from him. And I, I told mom this, and I can remember it. I was like, I feel like I know him. Hmm. I was like, I don't know why, but I feel like I know him. Uh -huh. And I think that goes with the kind of person Scott is. I mean, he's loving, kind, It was always there for me. Uh, you know, I, me and Scott joke all the time. I mean, Scott was so happy when I moved back in. Yes. <laughs> uh, me, no. me and Scott joke all the time, and you know, I, I've never taken a step back with Scott. It's always been a step forward with our relationship growing, and uh, what really helped was his relationship with my dad. Because 
my dad was, like mom said, I was very close, and uh, seeing my dad get along with Scott, and you know, Scott laughing with him was what really helped me get close to Scott. And you know, I'm blessed with having two father figures in my life to help me. Help me uh, raise my own daughter. <laughs> and I'm world blessed. I mean, there's so many people that, you know, don't even get a father figure in their life. And I'm blessed with two. And I think, move on. I think. <laughs> Real quick, though, let me just follow that up. Like, like, we see the consequences of divorce, right? You know, we just encourage when we see young families, man, invest in it. Invest in your marriage. It is so important. I mean, as great as we work hard and, and you know, we see fruits, I mean, there's still scars from it. There's still scars. And that's why, you know, Dave and Holly, you know, we, we love when we see couples that are like, we're working at it. It is so important. Um, you know, we have we have scars from our divorce, and of course we love it. We do it unconditionally, but it's still there. And uh, so, man, invest in your family. Make it the, the biggest priority in your relationship with God, because um, don't follow our example. Maybe maybe see our fruit and, and pick up from it, but um, but we, we, we don't encourage you to follow in our footsteps. But, but man, we can say that... You know, we got a we got a young man back here that that he's equipped that he knows where the solution is he knows where the path is, and he's loved through the whole process. And, um, so thanks, my friend. All right, Troy. <laughs> oh boy. No. <laughs> um. So, Scott, as Scott said, um, him and Troy clicked really quick. Um, hunting, fishing, outdoorsy, all of that, and so his dad lives about an hour from us. And he, Scott is always invited down. So our question to Troy is, how does that impact you, that your dad is so open and willing and Scott is so open and willing to, you know, be together? Um. It's hard. You make me cry. <laughs> so I guess my dad, he doesn't really have, um, uh, I don't know, friends, I guess. And... Scott's his best friend. <laughs> and I mean, it just... My dad loves Scott. I mean, he doesn't look at him any differently. I mean, you would think my dad would not like him because, you know... <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> But I mean, my dad, Scott's his best friend. Yeah. And my dad would do anything for Scott. And Scott would do the same for him. And it's just, I mean, they look at things differently, which is fine, but that's good for me because mm -hmm. my dad, he knows how to do everything. He's smart. Scott knows how to talk and <laughs> <laughs> patient. Oh, I love it. 
I love it, man. That's the best. I love it. That was the best. That's the best. Oh, I gotta remember that. That's awesome. Hey, this, man, I apologize for the, the the family therapy session here, but you guys, you know, I'll be honest, man, we, we really needed this as a family. Like this, like when we said, when we do this, man, we, it has to be our kids. You know, when you, when you hear just sharing like that, I don't know, man, I think that's what brought us so close together. All right, well. <laughs> All right, you ready? Sure. Okay. So this is for both Allison and Ty. Um, what was special about our family? So I'm kind of coming as an outsider, obviously, and I came from my own background of a fractured family. And stepping into this role of entering into a in-law family is kind of a goofy one sometimes. We all kind of know the trope about what in-laws are expected to be like and how that relationship dynamic is supposed to kind of work. And growing up, I've never seen that model. My dad, his parents, or his dad passed away, and my grandma is around, but my mom's two parents passed away. When my mom got remarried to an awesome stepfather, his parents were gone. So I've never got to really see the relationship of a in-law family modeled effectively. And I started dating Allison around December, and I'm getting ready to step into this new adventure of my life getting ready to introduce myself to a step family that I've already known marginally through the church, but I was never very close to. And the only expectations I had, considering how close it was to the holidays, was that this was going to be a whole lot like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I was horrified because we all know what in-laws are supposed to be like. Everybody's crazy and there's a whole bunch of tension and it's all dynamic, but that was the opposite of what it was. Instead of having the complete confusion and craziness of something like that, I've made dear friendships with every single person here. And it's, it's weird because we're all so close as a family, but for me, I, I genuinely see everybody here as among my best friends. And I love hanging out with every single one of them for different reasons, and I think that's something that hmm. I've really gleaned a lot of as a in-law. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, my whole family has just been the absolute biggest blessing in my life. And I, I mean it, like, I thank God for every single one of them. And from a daughter's perspective, I just always wish that I would end up being with somebody that would be best friends with my dad. Um, the last thing I ever wanted to do was ever disappoint you guys and, and, and or cause any kind of turmoil or anything. And I, seriously, with, with everything that Ty's brought, just, I don't know, whenever Ty and I first started dating, I remember Carter being like, hey, I hooked you guys up. <laughs> we went to um, a lock-in. And that's where Ty and I first started, like, officially, like, introducing ourselves. And, I don't know, and Carter's like, you know, if, even if it doesn't work out, I'm still going to hang out with them. 
but and that's just the integration with Ty and the rest of the family. I mean, Ty and my dad go on trips all the time. Ty and my brother go on trips all the time. They just hang out. It's just like he's just he's just melded right into it. He's he's part of the, all the different alloys in this 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 incredible family. But um, I think the other thing too that spoke volumes to for us as a married couple is we got married young, and with all the stuff that. I mean, all the sacrifices that I've seen Sharon and Dad make um, with, you know, previous relations um, with their ex-spouses, they didn't, they didn't, they never told us, no, you shouldn't, or no, you can't, because of, like, you're, like, you're too young, whatever. If anything, they stepped in and were like, okay, you know what, we have this arsenal of information, we have this wealth of knowledge, let's support you guys through, through all the beginning stages, let's help you learn from our mistakes, let's like just build and grow into you. Um, and I mean it like, I mean the first two years of any, any marriage, it's, it's so hard. Cause especially when you're young, you're like trying to figure yourself out and figure out this other person that all of a sudden you're roommates with, it's like. We good. weren't even roommates, we were, I was overseas for the first time. Well that's so yeah. true. Yeah, uh, the first 12 months, it's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were married seven months, and then you were gone for a year, and I moved back in. Carter, I get it. Listen, I just, they welcomed me back with open arms. Yeah. I mean, it's all right. <laughs> but um, me moving back in and just you guys supporting me through through that time, too, and I don't know. I just think in general, I just find such safety and security and stability with you guys and, and just really helping pave the way for um, giving us... Uh, just seriously such an incredible advantage. Um, I don't know, I feel like I'm... Sorry. Well, I mean, as a, as a dad and your daughters, man, it is a relationship. I mean, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to explain, but when your daughters are growing up and whether they're, when they're doing well, man, you're the biggest cheerleader, and when they're struggling, you know, you're broken. Mm-hmm. So that's... Uh, but 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 you know I don't know that's um, that's where that's where and really to, to to wrap this up and put it into perspective, you know we have a broken family but that's not what's defined us. We have couples that have said no more divorce and they're chasing after Jesus and saying that this isn't going to happen. Um, but yet we you know we have <laughs> some that aren't chasing Jesus and, and we haven't given up. So our crock pot is still being cooked. The fruit is still being you know we're still participating in that meal it's a process that'll that'll go on until we actually get to, to heaven and uh and we ask for the same thing and it's and i can't tell you how joyful it is to see you know young men you know troy and trent praying for their father you know i want my dad to know jesus and and it's it's important for them and you know that's what we want for you know ally to chase after her mom and like I want my mom to know Jesus um, yes we do too uh, because everyone benefits from that and and um, you know Carter and them and just I, I want my dad to know Jesus and we just pray for that and we want that too so again it, there's joy I mean we still deal with the heartaches but yet um, you can see today that uh, this is a family that that acknowledges that it is it's only through Christ that that we can even sit up here today and and share and be vulnerable to you. So, man, we apologize again. Feel like feel like I was at work, <laughs> but uh, uh, but again, we'll thank you guys for just 
maybe just listening to us and being part of it. So. We ran